The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Labor Day, everyone. Welcome to another week of Fantasy NBA Today. A hoop Ball. Hoop-Ball.com and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. I am Dan Bespris, your gracious host on this Monday morning. Holiday Monday, which means, well, probably most of us are still working. But to those of you that are not, enjoy your day. We're all very jealous of you. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. What does Adrian always say? Taste Taste the aloha difference? No, that's not right. Taste the Kona difference? I don't know. Adrian's making up taglines. Taste the warmth of aloha. That's on their website, hawaiianisles.com, hawaiianisles.com. Check it out. Throw a brew in that nice gold mug they've got on the homepage. Oh, yeah. H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter, Hawaiian Isles. Kona Coffee on Amazon. You can get that stuff sent Amazon Prime direct to your doorstep. Check them out. Our first ever and our exclusive title sponsor of all audiovisual events here at Hoop Ball, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Big thank you once again to their continued participation with us here. And of course, they are fantasy files. That's the that's the real beauty part. They're fantasy heads over at Hawaiian Isles. That's how we got connected. Good folks, great product. Enjoy it. I'm going to try to keep the uh, the nonsense a little shorter. But, I mean, it's really... I, I run into this tough thing every time. we got so many things going on at Hoopball. I want to talk about as many of them as possible. I want to try to spread them out a little bit. Um, but if I do that, then it's like a break every six minutes of show. So I'm in this, this uh, weird middle ground. And then I say, hey, you guys want me to just knock it out at the beginning and a lot of people say yes because then if they know and they're constant listeners they can listen to some of it and skip around and then other people are like no move it around I'm like all right i don't know what i'm doing anymore can't give everybody what they want on this one because everybody wants something different so i'm going to start today's podcast by letting you know what's coming up this week on fantasy nba today since that's actually a pressing and relevant concern uh we're breaking down more draft results and not mock drafts these are real Money on the line, you know, 100, 200, whatever dollar leagues. So there's a pretty good pot at the end of this uh, rainbow. Pot of gold, I should say. So people care about the results. I want to give, by the way, a shout out to Japoison, who's been providing the results from some of the drafts that we've been breaking down. Um, Eric Ong, as you know, is one of our editors here at HoopBall. Uh, It's one of his buddies. They're in leagues together. That's how we've been able to dig up some of these fantasy results of real people care money on the line draft results not mock drafts with a bunch of jokers just scouting things out this is the real deal and so that's why it's so important we're breaking these down we're looking at where guys are actually going as opposed to where say yahoo's adp might suggest they are going or where you might be able to get your guys in mock drafts one of the things that our good buddy adrian does and we we talked about it on friday and i want to talk to him uh, weekly on this podcast here as a co-host is to get a feel for where his guys are going because you know he's always got his eye on certain dudes um, and he can also keep an eye on where other guys are going the one thing that I don't like that Adrian does and I'm 
I'd say this to his face, is when I go into mock drafts, I often skip the guys that I'm actually trying to take in real life because I just want to know where they're going. It's sort of a scouting. It's like a look away. You know, it's not not like I'm actually up to no good. I really just want to know where my guys are going. And that's why these draft results are actually my favorite thing of all because I'm not involved in the league. I don't know where these guys are going. It's also important to look at a bunch of them because you might have someone who is targeting the guys that you're looking at in one league and you might have another one where no one's targeting the guys you're looking at. And so you have to sort of get a feel for where your guys are actually going. And that actually briefly takes us to a point I've made a million times on this podcast, but I'll do it again because we got new people listening every day. And that is the one thing that I cannot help you with is figuring out what the other people in your specific league are doing. This is why, number one, jumping into a new league is a disadvantage. Even if everything else is equal, you don't know the people, you don't know how they draft, you don't know who they're targeting. If you're in a league that you've been in for a while, you can usually get a pretty good idea of what the other teams are doing. There's always... You know, all of our leagues, we have the one person that does all the reaching, and they often hit with one of them, but they also blast themselves in the foot with the other four or five they're doing, and it, it always evens out, usually for the worse. Uh, there's always the guy that is a massive Lakers fan that takes someone on that team too early. There's always the guy that's the massive Celtics fan that takes someone on that team too early. There's the guy that's using the B-150. There's the three guys using Roto World's numbers. There's the two guys using Basketball Monsters. No. You got to know who's who. In your league, you got to know which person is which, because then we take all this data that we've been compiling. We started last week with my, or real draft results, I should say, not mock, and all the prep we've done on different teams. We roll it all together, but the only way you're going to know how to get your guys is to know if anyone else in your league is targeting your guys, and so you got to know what pages, what sites, what data, what podcasts the other people in your league are listening to are they listening to this one if so uh you're gonna have somebody fighting for you with the weirdos that are falling in drafts that's all that's my move man i just you know it's funny it looking at it from another way you're gonna probably have some really good auto drafted teams this year provided guys like boogie cousins fall out of the mix because they're they're all these Guys early in drafts that are getting passed over because they're just not sexy, someone's going to end up auto-drafting those guys. So know that, by the way. That's a point to be made. Understand if anybody in your league didn't show up. Because if so, you know, who did we talk about on that last draft last week? Uh, Like a LaMarcus Aldridge or something who's fallen to 40 but is always two rounds better than that. You want him to fall to you, but if everybody's in your draft, someone might... If, if somebody misses it, I should say, he might just end up on that team. Be aware of these things as you plot out your strategy on draft day. Uh, one hoop ball note here, as we see, I'm trying now. You know, we did a few minutes of actual draft strategy. Now we're going to pivot back to hoop ball. Hoop ball leagues are still open. I should say, I mean, I say still like it's like something's going to change sometime soon. Uh, we've had almost 100 people sign up for the leagues now. 
We have multiple head-to-head cash leagues, multiple head-to-head free leagues, Roto Cash, Roto Free. The cash leagues are all 50 bucks. All you got to do is tweet at me, at Dan Bespers. I'll get you linked up. We'll get you in one of those leagues. It's with uh, some HoopBall pros, a lot of HoopBall listeners, some HoopBall readers, some people that follow HoopBall on Twitter. It's just, they're HoopBall leagues at this point. We don't even call them listener leagues anymore because it's just everybody that wanted to get involved. They are very competitive, both the free and the cash ones. They are really good competition. So come join us at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, at Dan Bespris. I know it's not the greatest last name for broadcasting. B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, B as in boy, R-I-S as in Sam. Find me on Twitter, shoot me a note, I'll get you in these hoop ball leagues, uh, among other fun things that we've got going on over at the Hoop Ball HQ. And now, as promised, here's what we're doing this week. More draft results. We're going to dig into a nine-category, head-to-head, 12-team league. And we're going to probably go through it at about the same pace as last week. Maybe a little bit faster, right? Because now we've done one full-ish. I think we only got to 90 over the course of the week last week. This this is deep, intense stuff. Uh, I'd like to get past 100 this time around. And we're going to keep doing this and tracking where everybody's going in particular. So let's dive right on in. Round one, first pick overall, head-to-head, nine-cat draft results. The mighty, the wonderful Anthony Davis going first. Second, Carl Anthony Towns. Third, Steph Curry. Fourth, James Harden. Fifth, Giannis in this one. This is an order that I'm not not as comfortable with in a head-to-head league. Seeing Harden slip all the way to four, he's just so dang durable, right? And if you're if you're taking Cat at two, a lot of that is for the durability aspect, right? That's the reason he's getting the bump, because last year, and you just look at it at, on a value basis, James Harden was worth about sixty percent more on a per game basis than Carl Anthony Towns. which is not insignificant. The only other person that was up there with Harden was Anthony Davis. Now, obviously, Russell Westbrook coming to town, that's going to put a dent into Harden's usage a little bit. So let's back him off to maybe part of that second tier, which last year was Paul George, Steph, Giannis, Cat, Kawhi. That's about as far as I'm willing to stretch the second tier. I think you could still put Harden basically at the top of that tier, and he has the durability along with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. So I, I I think if you're going the durability route, you want to probably go Harden in the first round. I don't have any intense objection to Cat being in that first group of five. I think I really do think he should be. And I think he I think Giannis is very clearly the fifth. He's the last one you go with in that crew. But I think if your move is the durability move, you probably go Harden. On top of the fact that I happen to think big men are a little bit more available this year, and I think a lot of people are agreeing with me. We're seeing, I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast a little bit. So if you're not getting AD with the insane per-game upside, I think Cat could could fall. Not fall. I mean, we're talking about, well, I'm just talking about within the top five. Uh, you know, I like Steph Curry. I I've, I've always have a soft spot for him. Last year, he had a down season. He missed a, 
what he missed? He missed 13 games, didn't shoot the ball as well. His usage is going to be crazy this year. My only fear with Steph is do his turnovers go up a lot? But the question is, does it matter? I mean, he could legitimately have a season where he goes for 30 points a game, six three-pointers, six or seven. I mean, he's going to be everywhere. And volume is a great thing for Steph Curry. The more he does, the better, because his percentages are sweet. I'm looking for a big year from him. Uh, I'd have no problem if he went second or third or fourth. I would have a problem if he went fifth. And then Giannis at five. I think that's a pretty accepted spot for him this year. Nikola Jokic, he does appear to be the next guy in his own tier, basically. Which is intriguing because, you know, he was on on a ranking basis last year, number 13. You know, he played in 80 games, which was obviously a nice jump for him. And we talked about it this when breaking down the draft results from last week, there are guys that are going to fall out of his way. I think Vooch probably falls behind Jokic. Uh, Kevin Durant obviously is not playing. Paul George, we don't know how injured he is, and he's going to be playing with Kawhi Leonard instead of Russell Westbrook. How much does that adjust things? I just, in my mind... You know, maybe even we can wipe out some of the guys that get hurt a little bit more. Do you do you move Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, and Kawhi Leonard back behind him as well? Okay, fine. Well, that takes him from 13 to 8. How he clears that last one or two spots, I really don't know. It's going to have to be durability. And also, simply put, when you look at who's getting drafted behind him, there really aren't any other guys you're like, oh, yeah, that guy could end up at number 6. Besides maybe Paul George, that's about the only guy getting consistently drafted behind Jokic where you look at him and you're like, okay, yeah, if he's not hurt to start the year, he could end up in front of him. This is, by the way, why I really don't like drafting in early September because in particular, I mean, George is basically the one huge one. There are other little ones floating around, but big injury question mark. If we find out he's totally fine, I'd love to have Paul George in the middle of the first round. Right now, someone's going to have to take a chance on it, and it's not going to be me with that question mark hanging over him. Dame is finally going a little bit earlier this year. He goes at 7 in this draft, which is fine. He's very safe. I think I might go a little bit, a little bit of upside there. But I have no problem with Dame at 7. And it's not like I would take someone like a Kawhi Leonard, who's almost definitely going to miss 12 to 13 games, and then whatever actual injuries happen on top of that or Joel Embiid who's probably going to miss a bunch of time if you're looking at other guys in that same neck of the woods I think the only one you might be able to make a case for is Kyrie because if he doesn't miss 15 games if he only misses one or two games more than Dame then he ends up better because he has the percentages the a very large one by the way percentage leap over Lillard four percent from the field is that's not nothing you know, Dame has the better free throw percentage, but Kyrie's efficiency is is superior. I'm talking about just a fantasy game here. Defensively, also, by the way, Kyrie had a, a pretty big season last year. I don't know if that exactly keeps up, but he's going to be expected to do an awful lot by himself. He doesn't have that superstar companion yet. Kevin Durant, 
waiting in the wings. I mean, it's not that dissimilar from what he had going in Boston. I think I'd probably argue the Celtics' young guys are a little better than the Nets' young guys. But there's a very real chance that Kyrie posts similar numbers this year, maybe an extra shot or two per game, and that's enough to get him from, you know, 24 points to 25 or 26. All these little incremental bumps for a high-efficiency guy. And if he can get into the 70s in games played, then you're talking about a first-round guy. But I have no problem with Dame. You guys know this. I'm, I'm always advocating a Lillard pick because you just know he's going to be out there and he's going to be providing for you. Bradley Beal went at number eight in this draft. I'm not a huge fan of Beal at eight. His ADP is 12, and I get it. A lot of the guys going in front of him are injury risks. The guys in front of him being Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, in particular, LeBron actually tends to go from ADPs in front of Beal, and I think some of that has to do with the eight-cat or points leagues where that pushes numbers up a little bit. So yeah, I think you could make the argument for Beal maybe over some of those injured guys, but at the same time, you're staring down the barrel of a truly awful Washington Wizards season coming up. They are going to be epically bad. And I know last year Beal played most of his games down the stretch. He was extremely durable. He didn't want to sit. He played in all 82, but he didn't play the whole game in all 82. He played half the game their last four. That's a pretty small number. Did he skip one? I feel like he skipped one game last year. No, 82, all of them. All right, good for you, Brad. Uh, so he only took off the last four, and with that, it was, you know, halfer games instead. So it was eight, 19 points, three reads, three assists, that type of stuff, instead of 30, whatever. He's going to be in insane numbers while he's playing. Here's my beef. This is a head-to-head league. You know, this isn't this isn't Roto, where if he plays 70 games, the first 70 games and then just sits three weeks, where you're like, well, I got first-round value. I got my 70 games, or end of first round, or whatever it is. And head-to-head, if he sits the end of the year, that's your playoffs. I don't think you can take a chance like that in a head-to-head league. Roto, I'm okay with it. You know, I, I don't... I, I mean, he probably doesn't play any... He probably plays more games than Embiid. Probably around the same number as Kawhi, if not a tiny bit more. Because he just loves being out there playing. We've seen this before. Also, you know, with some of this load management stuff, that's for teams that are trying to make a postseason run. The Wizards aren't. So Beal's just going to be going nuts for a while. And if they're like, uh, let's shut you down. He'll probably push to play a few more. And then he probably will skip the last few games of the year. I I mean, there's just no reason not to. So head-to-head, that's a little bit dangerous, especially if your league goes to the end of the regular season. If your league cuts off a tiny bit early, maybe it's less of a fear. Maybe he only misses one or two games in your silly season as opposed to five or six. But at eight, this is a little bit too early for me. I think I'd rather go with someone who I feel like is going to be playing down the stretch. And I actually believe one of those guys is LeBron James. I'm not a huge fan of him at nine, or really at all in the first round because of his free throw issues. But I do think the Lakers are going to need him playing at least, let's say, most of their games down the stretch as they battle to make sure they're in the postseason. You're going to need about 50 wins in the West this year. Still a little bit too early for me, but I do think in head-to-head, he probably has a little bit of a tick up. Joel Embiid, 
terrifying for me in head-to-head. Philly's going to be coasting into the playoffs this year, and unless they desperately want to secure the number one overall seed from Milwaukee, there isn't a whole lot of reason for these guys to push it. But he's a guy I'm likely dodging in head-to-head. What I will say, though, is as we go through these drafts, understanding where guys are going in these draft results based on the settings, I'm also going to give my opinion, as you've already heard a few times, on what it would be differently if this was a Roto draft. So uh, Beal at 8 in Roto, I'm a little bit less upset by. LeBron at 9 in Roto, actually, he could he could end up in the first round if he plays a lot of games this year. I, I think he will have to. Uh, Joel Embiid at 10 in Roto, yeah, I mean, okay, you're you're teetering here a little bit, but I'm okay with it. Kyrie Irving at 11. I actually like this one in head-to-head or Roto. I think Kyrie is... I have high hopes for him actually getting into the 70s in games played, and if that's the case, he could really have a a nice, nice season. He hasn't shown himself to be exceptionally durable, however. He's only played 70 games or more three times in his eight NBA seasons, and he hasn't done it since 2016-17 campaign in Cleveland. He played 60 and 67 his two years in, in Boston, so... How do they keep him healthy? I don't know. Hoping that he'll suddenly play more games is probably a little bit wishful thinking on my part. But the Nets are also going to be a lower-tier playoff team in the Eastern Conference, and so they're going to want him playing, if he can, down the stretch. So that, I think, actually gives him a little bit of a bump in head-to-head. Whereas in Roto, you know, if he misses the games earlier in the year, doesn't really make any difference. Uh... It's better for you if you are in a playoff format. And finally, the number 12 pick in this league, the last pick of the first round was Kemba Walker, which is definitely a head-to-head type play because he was number 20, uh, number 21, excuse me, in 9-cat last year on a per-game basis, did play all 82 games, so he's durable. I think he's going to miss a few games this year. You know, he's doing the FIBA stuff right now. It's going to take a toll a little bit. Um... But he's going to have a nice season. I just... Hmm, 12 is is pretty early when there's some guys out there, still a couple of guys, that basically showed they could be per-game first-rounders last year. And I'll point those guys out when we get to them in the second round. Before we do, I wanted to remind everybody of not only one, but a couple of our sponsors here uh, over at HoopBall and on our podcast division. Number one is our good buddies at MyBookie.com. They're getting y'all geared up for the NFL right now. I cannot wait to start sinking my gambling money into the NBA. I've got these angles ready to go. We tracked them all last year. They were not great at the very start and after the All-Star break, but in between the dog days, that's where we're really going to cash in. Beginning of the season, it's all about understanding what teams are going to be playing well together. Uh, Middle of the season, you got these great emotional angles. That's the only thing that carries these guys through. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Oh, man, my bookie. I hope you're ready, man, because I'm coming for you. Uh, MyBookie.com, they are our partners here on Fantasy NBA Today. I would only recommend MyBookie to you guys if I knew they were solid and they are proven. You bet, you win, they pay. They've got live, by the way, they've got live in-game betting on every NFL game right now while you wait for the NBA uh, I'm not an NFL guy. You guys know that about me. I'm not about to, you know, yank your whatever here on the podcast. But I know many of you that listen to this show, you guys are into football. A lot of people are. They've got player perks. 
So as you're betting, you're acquiring perks. And for us fantasy folk, you can actually bet overs and unders. You can bet totals on fantasy points for the NFL players in the ballgames. That should be a pretty fun one. If you're good at fantasy NFL, which I am not, so you can keep inviting me into leagues, but I'm not joining you, uh, you can actually bet on that. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus over at MyBookie. So whatever you do when you're creating your account, use promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, to activate the match bonus. Put your whatever it is, again, up to $1,000. i will take probably a few hundred bucks, move it over, uh, get my money out of these other online books and move it over to MyBookie. They'll match it. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.com, promo code TODAY, the word TODAY. Do it TODAY from a timing perspective, chronology, and then use the word today to make sure that you get that match bonus. Don't miss out on that. It is colossal. Again, they're they're matching it, guys. This is like a 401k. Whatever you put in, they're matching it. They're also, by the way, uh, hosting the first ever online handicapping super contest. This is a really big deal in the NFL. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it's a $100 entry. You pick five NFL games against the spread every week, climb the leaderboard, and score your share of the huge cash prize. Check that out. Again, if you know what you're doing with the NFL, you got to get over to mybookie.com right now uh, and set up your account. Get yourself ready for the NBA because we're going to be cashing in. Mm, looking forward to it. Thanks again, MyBookie, for getting on board with us here uh, at Fantasy NBA today. Second round of the draft. We're breaking this thing down. I'm trying to as I said, I'm trying to go a little bit quicker on this one since we've covered some of these names before, but I still think the top of the draft is so interesting for how many guys are tumbling. Tumbling, I say. Kawhi Leonard, first pick of the second round. Uh now you're actually getting back to where I would take a chance on him. I do think he misses a couple of games down the stretch for the Clippers, but his are going to be spread out. So he actually maybe gets a tiny bump in head-to-head, believe it or not, because a lot of these guys are like, shutdown risk, that's a huge deal in head-to-head leagues. In Roto, you know, you take your Kawhi Leonard, you assume he's playing 65-ish games, and you don't really care where they get missed. Some will be at the beginning, some in the middle, some at the end. That's fine. In head-to-head, spreading them out actually is a really good thing for you, especially if it's a guy who doesn't play in all the games all season long. You'd rather they be spread out or very early, but that doesn't tend to be the case. Paul George going at number 14 in this draft. Uh, again, I mean, this is a roll of the dice without any more information on his shoulders. If he's going to miss the first month of the year, okay, in a head-to-head league, getting him at 14, you might get yourself an early first-round guy when he comes back. But you know how I hate taking injured guys. Horrible things happen. What if he misses more time? What if it's lingering? What if it never gets better? These are all the... I just... I can't. Until we see him go through training camp and look healthy, I cannot recommend drafting Paul George. I just can't do it. Donovan Mitchell at 15? Nah, I can't uh, I can't get on board with this one. This is a nine-category league. Not that that makes a massive difference. He was at 2.8 turnovers last year per game, which wasn't good. He was number 55 in nine-cat on a per-game basis. There's going to have to just be this colossal change in what he does on a basketball court, and I don't think that's coming. Free throw and field goal percent are probably both going to need to go up field goal significantly if he wants to get into that top tier. I'm not sorry 
to this team. I'm not going to name any names. I just really don't like this pick at 15. This is what happened last year. And it's so early compared to where he need to be taken. His ADP is 28. Like, I know you're at the beginning of the second round here. I know your next pick is not until 34. But, I mean, wouldn't you rather hope that he falls to you at that point? I, I just... No, this is this one's brutal to me. Russell Westbrook at 16, which is exactly where we're seeing him go in every draft because everyone is doing the same thing in their head, which is splitting the difference between what could Westbrook be if he fixes his free throw percent and what is he currently? Well, currently, he's number 30 because he can't shoot a free throw and he takes a lot of them and turns it over a ton. But if he made his free throws, he would rocket from 30 to probably 10. I'm not going to risk it, but in a rare twist, I'd love, to, I'd love to kill the teams that do this type of stuff. I'm also not going to kill the teams that take Russell Westbrook in the second round uh, because you know the bottom, you know the floor with him is going to be popcorn stats out of your you-know-what. Uh, and the ceiling is, what if his brain clicks back into, into the right shape and he makes free throws again? This is also the team that took LeBron in the first round, so at that point you're saying, well, if he still stinks at free throws, then I'm basically punting. And head-to-head, you can kind of get away with that. You know how I feel about punting in in Roto. Eh, Not my cup of tea, but this is a head-to-head league, so we'll weigh that in as well. Rudy Gobert at number 17, perfectly safe place for him. Drew Holiday at 18. A little earlier than I think I'd want to take him in a head-to-head league because I do think the Pels are eliminated with a few weeks to go, and we've seen they will pull the plug on guys in New Orleans. Uh, in Roto, I'm I'm totally fine with this. Here's an interesting one. Vooch fell to 19 in this draft. His ADP is 24. What's going on with people? Vooch was number 11 on a per-game basis last year. He was one of those guys that was basically good in everything. I mean, literally, he was average or better in every statistical category. And if you do a per-position analysis, it was all of them. You know, for a center, he's hitting 1.13 pointers. Yeah, sure, you compare that to the guards, and he's a little bit down. But, you know, almost four assists per game. It's not like Orlando brought in someone to take his job away. They re-signed him. He's locked in. Okay, maybe the motivation isn't quite the same. But they cleared a hurdle last year, and I think they're going to try to push harder. I think they're going to have a rough time doing it. This is a guy that I can't believe is falling as far as he is. I would love to get Vooch anywhere in the second round. And if I can get him after the beginning of the second round, well, that's a score, man. He should have been ahead of all of those guys that I just mentioned. Probably should have been the first pick of the second round in this particular format. Uh, Jimmy Butler at number 20. He's another guy who's actually falling a bit this year, and that surprises me. His ADP is 16. He's been going later than that in a lot of the drafts we've been looking at, and I don't fully know why. I know he's got the Tibbs miles on his legs, but uh, he's going to have to play a lot in Miami. He's going to be doing a bunch this year. He's back to being an alpha. He's going to have a monster season. I love Jimmy Butler wherever you can get him in the second round. Andre Drummond at 21. That's a great late second round pick. He was terrific last year, 17 per game, played in 79 games, so better than that by averages, and he was better as the season went on. Trey Young at 22, that's about where we're seeing him going. Um, 
I think he's going to have a good year. So I'll say that, which is what I said last time. I, I think he's, you know, we started to see him work out some of the warts late last season. Uh, but his field goal percent is still going to be terrible. I don't think that's, I don't think that's making any massive leaps season over season. Uh, assists obviously are at a premium. He's not a big time steals guy, which obviously does weigh him down a little bit. This is, it's not that my beef is with this draft in particular. I just think he's going too soon in all drafts. We've wiped out the value. This is a best case scenario. But I'd still rather have him than the guy drafted right behind him, and that's Luka Doncic, who, you know, we saw Trey Young. He started to turn a fantasy corner. Yes, Doncic was the better player over the course of the year. But Trey Young started to turn the fantasy corner late last season, where the turnovers were still really high, but efficiency was better. Popcorn numbers were insane. He was having, you know, 12 to 16 assist games pretty regularly, actually, towards the end of the season. Whereas with Doncic, the issues that were weighing him down were both percentages. That's tough to overcome. And he's a high-volume guy in both departments. Do we really believe he's going to fix both percentages? Because that's what it would take to get him into the second round from where he was last year, which is pretty far down the charts. He was number 97 in 9-cat last year. And I know Trey Young was 124. I know he was behind him. Uh, but what we saw there is that with Trey Young, only one of the two percentages is an issue for him, and that gives him a, a clearer path. But I don't really want either of these guys in the second round. Sorry. Miles Turner at 24, last pick of the second round. Good with it. Good with this one. You know, he's a guy that can carry you in blocks. We've seen him do it. There isn't the same risk. Uh, as taking maybe someone like a Mitchell Robinson, who we just don't really know what the Knicks are going to do with. Miles Turner, decent enough in free throw percent not to kill you there. Almost three blocks a game, does hit a three-pointer, .8 steals. You know, he's he's your consistent performer at that spot. Obviously, you'd love it if he could go a little bit later, but he's not. You're going to have to buy him at this probably... By the way, this also gives you a reason to maybe look at a guard if you have the first or second overall pick. Because Miles Turner is probably going to be there for you towards the end of the second round. And if he's not, you've got these other guys. DeAndre Ayton, if you wanted to do a little reaching. There are other centers floating around there where, you know, for my money, I don't I don't know that I'd want a, you know, cat... Trey Young first two pairing I think I'd rather have like a Steph or a James Harden with a big man at the end of that first round but I mean you're, you know you're splitting hairs at that point you got two really good players uh that's two rounds in the book we're moving along in a little bit better clip today and I want to remind everybody and this is not officially our sponsor but I do want to give a shout out to our guys at Fantasy Draft and Michael Grax who set it up with uh their partnership for our new DFS show. I don't know how many of you guys have been able to wa- uh, listen to it so far. I don't watch it. It's not, it's not a visual show. But it is available on YouTube. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys have been able to listen to our, do- our new DFS show so far with Coach and Mike Apatria, but it's fantastic. I listened to the first episode. It's weekly right now. They're coming out with a show every week on uh, Thursday morning. Coach, by the way, is playing FIBA DFS and winning. So that'll be something I'm sure they talk about this week on their episode. It's a great show. They're talking strategy, basically, right now. Off-season 
big deal ticket items that happened and sort of how that pertains to how you can exploit early season DFS, they're going to be covering all the bases. They're going to be looking at it from an analytics side, from a narrative side, from a, an eyeball test side. It is going to be a rare and unique DFS podcast because it doesn't have one bent. It's all the bends. All the bends, maybe we should say. So, uh, Coach and Mike, wonderful job on episode one. Again, big thank you to our buddies at Fantasy Draft. Check them out, by the way. You can use promo code HOOP-BALL at Fantasy Draft if you sign up for a new account, and they'll give you a seven-day trial membership to their rake-free DFS options, which is pretty sweet. You can actually just get a free membership forever if you want, but you might as well use the code HOOP-BALL when you're doing it so that, at first... You can play in the rake-free stuff without any kind of membership. Again, hoop-ball is the promo code over at Fantasy Draft. But more than anything, check out our new show. It's called DFS Today. It's available everywhere podcasts are found. And of course, if you follow me, I'm sure I'll be retweeting it constantly throughout the week. DFS today. I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited to be working with those guys on a DFS show. We've needed one of those consistently here at Hoop Ball for a long time, and now we've got it. And not only do we have it, but it's freaking good. It's so good. Let's see if we can knock out the third round here on today's podcast. I'm feeling saucy. Round three, pick 25. I still can't wrap my head around this one. Why is Ben Simmons going so early? What's happening? What is it that everyone else sees that I don't? Because there's something, and if you see it enough times, you start to wonder, am I missing something? No, I don't care that he's shooting three-pointers in the summertime against nobody. It's not happening. Okay, I get it. 17, 9, and 8. With 2.2 defensive stats, is pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 17 is okay, I guess. We're not going to call that sweet. We'll call that okay. But 9 rebounds, 8 assists, and 2.2 defensive stats. This is good stuff. That's four strong categories. And you guys know I love defensive stats. Hey, 56% from the field. That's great, too. He's strong in five categories, and he's fine in a sixth. But he is terrible in the other three. That's what I think people are overlooking. It's not, there is value in being just okay at some statistical categories. And for Ben Simmons, there really is only one category that he's okay in, and it's points. He's slightly above average. Everything else is either great or awful. Rebounds, awesome for a guy that's going to have eligibility everywhere. Assists, awesome. Steals, solid. Blocks, solid. Field goal percent, great. Free throw percent. Big wet fart. Turnovers, even wetter. Three-pointers, zero. Goose egg. And you guys know I don't care about three balls. You can make up for them elsewhere. But to have one guy that's bad at three categories, the only way he gets up into this top 30 discussion, forget actually even finishing there, number one, he's going to have to play 79 to 82 games again because you do get a bump by actually playing every game. But number two, he's going to have to fix one of those categories completely. Not like just make it a little bit better. Like turnovers would have to come down by one and a half. That's not happening. Free throw percent would have to go from 60 to probably 75. That's probably not happening. He'd have to hit like one and a half three-pointers a game. That's not happening. 
If one of those three things happens, I'll eat my hat. You know what? I'll, I'll listen. I'll, I'll eat crow here on the podcast. I'll tell you I was wrong. But there's just no reason he should be going at this spot. Unless you're in a punt build, and I don't think this team is. In fact, this team had brilliant big men going into this particular pick. This was a spot to take a little guard. I don't fully understand this one. I loved the first two picks for this team. Rounds one and two, not at all a fan of number three. Here's an interesting one, and I feel like maybe this is someone who's been listening to the pod, or maybe not, but LaMarcus Aldridge went at 26 in this draft. That puts a little scare in my belly because we've been seeing LaMarcus fall. His ADP is 42 on Yahoo. Yes, I think 8-cat and percentage leagues probably bring him down a tiny bit because the stuff he's good at is tailor-made for 9-cat. Both percentages, low turnovers, and then good at most other stuff. Good at scoring, good at rebounding, decent at blocks, fine at steals for a big man, good at assists for a big man. Both percentages and turnovers, as I mentioned. Really, threes are the only thing he's just not good at. And so the problem here is that, you know, I would argue, well, let's see, both percentage and turnovers. Uh, The turnovers are fine. It's not like he's blowing anybody away with around two per game. But being good at both percentages is something that does not get down a hair in points leagues. And then being decent at turnovers depresses your value slightly and going over to eight cat and also some points leagues as well. I'm surprised because this is a guy we've been seeing falling towards that mid-30s and 40s range, and someone scooped him up real early here. I think what you're seeing some of is this is a team that realized he wasn't getting back to you. Their next pick is at 47. So you sort of take your guy. Um, I love LaMarcus Aldridge. The reason I love him extra, and I've been talking about him so much on these podcasts, is that he is falling a round and a half farther than he should this is where he should go so it's not like i can ding this team i can't say hey you know this is a terrible pick i actually like this pick but he is in my estimation with an adp near 40 one of the juiciest old men type guys on the list you'd take the juice out when you take him 15 slots earlier you're not going to be upset with having him as your third rounder you're not going to be super excited about it either Devin Booker at 27. Uh, I don't know about Devin Booker. I don't trust that he's ever going to figure it all out. He's also exceedingly injury-prone, super high turnovers. I think Ricky Rubio does help him from an efficiency standpoint, although I don't know how much better his percentages could get from last year. That was a that was a big uptick for him. But he doesn't get defensive stats, and his turnovers are super high. So the hope, I think, is that his turnovers come down from 4 to 3, and that could leap him from number 42 in 9-cat, about a round earlier, so near 30. Uh, and then you have to hope he stays healthy. So not a massive fan of Devin Booker. There's too many question marks for him, and I'd rather have a couple of these guys taken behind him. DeAndre Ayton at 28. This is another guy who, by the way, uh, there's sort of no reason why he should be still on the board at this spot. He's number 33 on a per game last year, and he should get better. I assume his free throw number will come up even a little bit. Even incremental bumps should get him into the late 20s. You know? 16 points per game, that could very easily be 17 or 18. 10 rebounds becomes 10 and a half. 0.9 steals, 0.9 blocks, maybe that becomes 0.8 and like 1.2. 
I see no reason for him to be... He's a very safe, actually, third-round pick. Not that exciting. Pretty safe. I like it. This one I'm okay with. Uh, De'Aaron Fox at 29. This is, to me, maybe a guy that should be a bit later in 9-cat. You know, he's number 68 in 9-cat last year. Turnover's up around 3. Those are probably going to stay pretty high because he's going to be controlling the basketball. Uh, and the other thing with Fox is, do we believe that his free throw percent is going to come up? Maybe a little bit. Um, but I'd be more inclined to take a, a make a play like this in an 8-cat format. I do think he has a decent year. Um, but this is a bit early for me in 9-cat. Because I do think that those the free throw and the turnovers... It's going to require fixing those both a decent amount to get over the hurdle in nine category formats. And he might, well, let's see, where's he going? He's going at 34. His ADP is 34. So he's probably not getting back to you as a fourth rounder. He's more of an end of the third, sort of turn of the third kind of guy. So if this is the guy you were targeting, I get it. Um, there's just other guys that are that are falling here that I'd, I would look at as safer plays in a nine-category format. Uh, DeMar DeRozan at 30. This this is too early. Uh, I know on the last one I said I actually really liked the, the DeMar DeRozan pick, but that's because he went at like 50 in that last draft we were breaking down. He's always going to be number 44. He's always number 44. It doesn't matter where he is. His game evolves. He ends up at 44. He's durable. He's going to play. San Antonio needs him out there because they're a bubble team in the West right now. But 30 is too early. It's too early. This is a guy that's falling. There's no reason to jump the gun. I mean, he's getting drafted at 43. If you don't get DeMar DeRozan, your team will be okay. Like, if he doesn't get back to you, which he might, by the way, 43 would have been this team's next pick. If he doesn't get back to you at 43, you got so many other directions you can go because he's pretty boring. Like, I think I'd probably rather have the guy behind him, Pascal Siakam. He's got some upside. I I, I think you do have to take him around this spot. I... I I don't think I end up with a ton of Pascals because I'm not sure that I'm taking him in the third round in a ton of places. I feel like as his volume increases, some of his efficiency stuff is going to come back a little bit, but he's due for a pretty good year. Clint Capella at 32. This is another guy who has been falling in drafts despite being number 20 on a per-game basis last year. Love this pick in the third round. I would absolutely take Capella mid to late third this team has Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella now. Uh, so there's going to be a little bit of a free throw issue going on, but you deal with that later on, and it's head-to-head, so who cares? Zion Williamson at 33, that's where he's going. I've already talked extensively about him uh, recently, really, because we didn't mention him a ton right when he first was drafted. But now I think we've established he's a rare rookie with a very high floor. Um, I think you're looking at least in a nine-cat format, there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some foul issues. There's probably going to be some free throw issues. Uh, this is where you have to take him if you want him. And I don't have a huge beef with him in the third. I think he's probably got, like, top 60 floor. And he's probably, believe it or not, I, he's one of those rare rookies that could prob- that could be a second-round guy if things sort of break the right way and maybe the percentages aren't, the free throw percent and or turnovers aren't as bad as we are worried they might be. I'd love to get him in the fourth round, but I don't think you're gonna, so I probably won't end up with a ton of Zions, but this is where he's going. This is pretty set. There there are some guys whose ADPs are right on the money, and Zion, right in their early 30s, that's where he's going in every single draft. 
I almost haven't seen him very. He's in this like six pick window, 20, 28 to 33, almost every single time. Jason Tatum at 34. This is earlier than I expected to see him come off the board uh, because he is a little bit of a post type guy. And frankly, it's probably a little too early to take him because he almost definitely would have gotten back to this team. They have a pick again in like six picks. I think you're wiping out some of the value there. These are the, these are the guys that are falling. Let them fall to you. Take the guy that you don't think is getting back. Like maybe John Collins, who went off the board right behind him. That guy probably wouldn't have come back six picks. John Collins at 35, I'm good with that. He went earlier in the last draft we were breaking down. This is more reasonable, I think, for him because there's an insane ceiling if his defensive stats come back a little bit. Uh, I think he'll be perfectly happy with him as a third-round guy. He was number 49 last year, and there were no defensive stats at all. None. If he has anything on that side of the ball he could jump up into that second-round discussion. So I, I like him as a third-round guy, especially late. Tobias Harris at 36, wonderful pick. Absolutely wonderful. Man, he was number 35 on a per game. He played all 82 games last year. Perfect pick at this spot. Shores you up, uh, and you're good. Um, again, this is a situation, though, where obviously you'd love to let him fall a little bit. He's, his ADP was 54. And this is a team with a pick on the turn. So clearly, if you don't take him at 36 or 37, he's not getting back to you at the end of the fifth round. That's pick 60. That's a long way to go. He's not getting to you at 60. So you take your nice, safe play there. You call it a day. I'm good with that. It's hard to be on the turn, though. You know, you gotta, you have to do a little bit more reaching. That's, by the way, that's why I'm picking on the teams in the middle of these rounds a little bit more than the ones on the end, because... A snake draft is a living thing. You look at the number where a guy was taken, you're like, well, I wouldn't take him at, you know, 35. But then you realize this person has picked 35 and 38 and then not again for 20 guys. So you do have to reach a little bit. You can't always wait for the ADP of a guy. I think for my sake, having a pick at the end of a round makes my style of drafting harder. Because you guys know what I like to do. I like to let dudes fall to me. And that doesn't happen when you're on the turns. Either of them, front end or back end. Guys just don't fall. They disappear in those 20-something picks in between when you get to go once and go again. So you have to be a little bit more aggressive when you're, on, when you're at the edges than when you're in the middle. When you're in the middle, someone's going to fall to you in the middle of the round almost every single time. As an example, and we're going to put a pin in this after 36 because we'll, we'll talk to uh, Neil Rochelani on tomorrow's show. We'll, we'll kind of pick up from there a little bit. The first round is, is sort of a different beast because the top five is fairly set, and then it's this, this wild crapshoot the rest of the way. But from almost every round, that point on, let's say rounds two, three, four, five, and six probably where you're still talking about guys that have legit fantasy value, almost every one of those rounds, if you're sitting in the middle let's say like picks five through eight, someone's going to just fall to you. Someone that should have probably gone to the beginning of the round or earlier is just going to tumble into your lap. And it just happens going both directions every single time. I love being in the middle of draft. I think my favorite pick this year would probably be fourth, maybe fifth, because at least you're still guaranteed a Giannis type in the first round. 
but something like fourth, you want to be right at the very back end of that first mega crop, right? Because you want to get the guys in the first round that are guaranteed heavy lifters, which is probably the top four, maybe top four and a half this year. But then as you get into the second round, if you're the fourth, fifth pick in the first round and you're sort of fourth, fifth from the bottom in the second, someone's tumbling to you. You know, fifth from the bottom in the second round got Jimmy Butler. Fourth from the bottom got Andre Drummond. The last pick in that second round ended up with Miles Turner. But as a point of reference, looking right in the middle, which is pick six or seven, you know, you know, it's two middle picks here. In the second round, Drew Holiday and Nick Vucevic went in there. Nick Vucevic falling to, I mean, that's a guy falling. Round three, middle of the round. Guys that fell to that point are further. Pascal Siakam, Clint Capella, John Collins, Tobias Harris, all of those guys were available after the midway point of round three. Just as a point of reference, and we'll talk about this tomorrow, the guys that fell past the midway point in round four, Bledsoe, JV, Heald, Draymond. Round five, CJ McCollum, Otto Porter, Al Horford. They're in every round. The guys that could go at the beginning of the round that don't. So that's why I'm picking on the guys in the middle a little bit more. Because when I see you in the middle of the round reaching for like a DeMar DeRozan, for instance, in the previous round, you don't need to. If he falls to you, let him fall to you where he's actually falling. This is where he might go at a top point. Let him fall to you. Let him fall to you in the fourth round. See if he's still around. You have this advantage being in the middle of your draft of just sort of seeing who's still there. Because your turn comes up every 12 picks. Roughly. If you're at the edges, you're up a creek a little bit. You got to go get your guy. Take your guy. He's not coming back to you. Tobias Harris? Sure. At 36, I'd love to wait, let him fall to mid-40s. But you don't have a pick in the mid-40s in this league. So I can't pick on that team as much. Anyway, we'll pick up with this tomorrow uh, with the great Neil Rochelani. I think I've covered all of the important stuff. Tomorrow, I'll let you guys know what's going on with the draft guide. We've got some new features that are getting added. We will likely have some contests coming up here in the not-too-distant future. Maybe, maybe. What's coming up uh, down the line in the draft? I mean, there's so many things that get added to that bad boy. It's $15.99 right now. Keep signing up with us. Uh, final reminder here on the show to check out our hoop ball leagues again at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, if you want to join those bad boys. Rate and review the podcast. We're up to a whopping 215 reviews now. You guys are the best. Let's get to 220. Keep coming. Uh, that's on iTunes, by the way. iTunes or the podcast app on your Apple mobile device. It's not the world's easiest thing to find, but if you can, please do drop us a five-star review. If you want to write something nice, we'd love that as well, but uh, not necessary. Five-star review, Fantasy NBA Today. Check out DFS Today. Join our hoop ball leagues. Check out Fantasy Draft. Check out My Bookie. Check out Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. That's all the good stuff. Oh, I lied. Uh, quick thank you to our buddies uh, Isaac Lederock and Jimmy Nimbus for the new jams here on Fantasy NBA Today and all of our shows here at Hoop Ball. A lot of them with uh, new beats. That's uh, Christian Slickrock on Twitter. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks, Jimmy. We'll be back with Neil tomorrow. Enjoy your Labor Day. So long.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.